0: Hello there, everyone. Welcome to the TSG podcast, just a huge disclaimer before we begin that all content produced on this channel is for education and entertainment purposes only. Enjoy the episode. Hey there, everyone. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. So I'm with Sean again for another episode of our surrounding game podcast. How are you doing, Sean? I'm doing good. How are you doing? No, I can't I, I can't complain it's been pretty nice I mean June just started at least during the time of this recording June has just started and so uh you know I, I just can't complain the market's been going crazy and uh we're waiting to see what happens overall in the market in the next couple of months I know uh companies are giving out their earnings reports as of right now and that's been causing a huge commotion um just overall on just the uncertainty of inflation and all that uh, what are you, what's your opinion on so far
1: um, on the short term? I don't have much of an opinion. Mm-hmm. I think uh, for the year, I think the year is, I think we'll the market will continue to go down over mm. the year. I think as the fed continues to cut, I am waiting for the federal reserve to pivot. And I think that will send the markets back up, but that could be, that could be, you know, ten months away.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What? Ten months? Really? Within? within, yeah, within probably within not. Year? But maybe. Okay. Probably not.
1: I mean, I <laughs> my my most likely case is that they're going to pivot soon, like before okay. the end of the summer. But mm. that they could go longer. It, it depends.
0: Okay. Well, we'll see what happens. I I know the increasing in uh, rate hikes and everything has just spooked a lot of investors. A lot of people are taking their money out of the market currently, and hopefully going into something a little bit more stable like the bonds market. I heard that's been uh, having a nice uptick lately. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, anyways, I got a I got an exciting episode for you today, Sean. Uh, the last couple of episodes you've been talking non-stop about crypto and it's like you know i i want to give back i, I want to give you something today and uh you know the last episode that we did together at least during the time of recording uh you were going over uh your book that you were just reading do you want to remind the audience of what book that was
1: uh the the book wanting by one burgess
0: mm-hmm. and that was all about biasm and just uh how people are Falling into different groups of categories and were, uh, what's that term called? Mimetic, Mimatic? Mimatic? Yeah. yeah. And
1: the way people basically mimic
0: each other. Mm-hmm. And so that got me to really reflect on a book that I read, I think roughly around two years ago. I read this book in 2020. And I want to go over it uh, with you today because I read a fantastic article earlier this week. I don't know if you saw uh, one of my morning uh, episodes. But uh, there there was a a quote that Tim Cook has said in in one of the graduation speeches, and it talked about the idea of the leadership inside the company and building on top of that. I've read this book and guess who? was one of the uh, people that wrote on the back cover. So every time I read a nonfiction book, I will always look at the back cover just to see who read the book or who's given comments on it. And guess what? The very first comment was Tim cook. And so uh, the book's title is trillion dollar coach, the leadership playbook of Silicon Valley, Bill Campbell. And this was written by Eric Schmidt, Jonathan Rosenberg, and Alan Eagle. And so Uh, I'm going to go over this really quick, but just to remind everyone who hasn't seen the morning episodes or morning thoughts episode, and uh, for you, Sean, Tim Cook pretty much said that uh, for leadership, lead with your values, not with your passion or your strength. And so I want to ask you, Sean, before we delve into the book, what what do you think, what's your inference of that particular quote? Again, I'm paraphrasing, so... Um, it was lead with your values and what else lead with your values not with your passion not with your strengths or at least that's the inference that mm. I, I'm getting so lead with your values that that's that's uh, the direct quote from Tim Cook
1: hmm, hmm. I'm part of me immediately thinks uh, that there's an ethical component it's mm-hmm. oh, probably not the entirety of what he's saying but certainly um if something you know if you're if you have a business that you think is damaging to the environment then um you're not going to be a great leader obviously Mm -hmm. Um, i hmm. you know i think values um so in some ways we could tie it into the game of go like Mm -hmm. when you're looking at the the game board you're looking at the the space that you are thinking about where you want to go and what you want to accomplish. You have to kind of make choices about what you want to go for and what you want to leave behind. And how are you going to make those choices? Well, you need to make them with your values, essentially. Mm -hmm. Um, You now it's interesting that he says not with your strengths. I would think your strengths would definitely play into that, but I'm interested to hear exactly how, why he would say not with your strengths, but also I'm sure there's more to the values that I'm not getting.
0: Well, the idea at least this is a paraphrasing of the article. Okay, so I, I did not watch the whole speech that Tim Cook gave uh, at the graduation. Uh, it was an article written by another person on the Barons, or is it Barons or Inc., Incorporated, I, one of those magazines. Uh, and pretty much they were inferring this and it kind of made sense to me. So the idea that you lead with your values. Uh, not with your passion or your strength it is because when comes time that a difficult decision must be made, unfortunately, your strength and your passion will not be able to help you solve or help you lead the company into the direction that's best for the company, right? And so if you lead with your values, on the other hand, even with the most difficult decision, as long as it aligns with the values of the company, as well as your own values, then it's going to be the more right direction. I, I don't know if that kind of makes sense. Um, um, I th- that, can- that makes a lot of sense.
1: Like okay. I'm kind of thinking about it as if something plays to my strengths, mm-hmm. uh, that will be kind of obvious, you know? Um, the question that a leader deals with is not, what are the easy decisions? The question is, what are the difficult decisions mm-hmm. and the, the difficult decisions will cause a leader to feel like I'm out there on my own. I don't, I have no idea. I have nothing to guide me.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so in that scenario, that's where I can see the values are the most important thing because that will give you a hint of what direction to go, In the situations where you have absolutely no idea where to go. Yes.
0: Right. Absolutely. And building on top of that, I at least with my experience with looking at companies, analyzing it again, amateur. I'm I'm an amateur at it, but you know, I can't really say I do it professionally. But I would say that this is probably one of the most important things that I will look for. Before I even start putting a lot of research into the company and, and seeing whether or not that's the best investment for my portfolio. And so just segueing now into the actual book, Trillion Dollar Coach, <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm just going to describe a little bit of, of this book because it really does play in lines with Tim Cook's philosophy, um, you know, Steve Jobs, etc. cetera. Sundar Pichai and Susan Wad, what, I don't know how to pronounce the CEO, uh, YouTube last name person. So Susan, they all pretty much were coached by Bill Campbell. And so this book, at least within the first chapter, just to give everyone a rundown, I highly encourage anyone to go out and and really read this. This is a fantastic short book. It's only like 100 something pages long. Uh, You can easily read this within a week or a month or so. Um, But this book right here, within the first chapter, pretty much goes over, you know, uh, Bill Campbell's life, uh, the history of his life, how he began, and and just give the reader an introduction to who Bill Campbell is. And then after that first chapter, then it goes into the main lessons that uh, everyone pretty much fundamentally agrees on, that Bill was very hard set, like this is something that you actually you absolutely have to do to run a stellar uh, team, a stellar company. And so one of the biggest takeaways that I actually got from reading this book was that Bill Campbell was so, so there. He was emotionally there with you. Uh, he, he was the person that people will go to, to, you know, tell them, you know, tell him their problems and really, really, was there to just be a coach for people. And this really told me that Bill Campbell had a very, very high EQ, not to be mistaken with IQ, which is intelligence quotient, but EQ is emotional quotient. So emotional intelligence. And he had such a strong EQ that that pretty much leached out and pretty much had a foundation in building different companies. Now, granted, not all companies that Bill went into was a stellar one. and there was some that actually uh, did not make it, such as the uh, go uh, company, not to be mistaken with go the the board game, but it was a, a different company. And And so I've highlighted some quotes and some lessons here. and these are just uh, quotes that really stood out. So his very first principle, uh, or very first rule that I, I that really highlighted was lead. Uh, based on first principle define the first principles for the situation the immutable truths that are the foundation for the company or product and help guide the decisions from those principles so does that sound familiar yes yeah right and immediately this when tim cook said that speech said that quote in, in in the graduation speech that just reminded me of bill campbell's philosophy which is lead based on first principles lead based on your values lead based on the overall uh truth that built the company
1: um now quick question how did bill campbell become a was he was some kind of a mentor like what was his journey from you know to becoming sort of a, a business mentor or leader? so
0: a lot of his uh journey came from coaching uh, at a college level. So he was the coach, I think, at uh, Columbia or Princeton or something like that. He graduated with an economics degree from Columbia back in, I think, 1962. And, and he was then, he coached football? Yes, and he coached football. Okay, So that, that was like his, his, his uh, bread and butter was coaching football. And so he graduated with a degree in economics, and then he got a master's degree in education. And I think a lot of his people understanding, uh, teaching ability came from that educational background. And so I don't know too much about the history. I, again, it's been a long time since I, I read his story, uh, but that is at least the things that I remember him, uh, remember about him, okay? Mm-hmm. And so somehow he got involved into the corporate world and people were just like hey you guys got to meet this this character bill he he's going to be there for you when you need him you got to go to him and i remember one of the interviews that uh, that i watched way back when they were like who who is this guy i you say you're doing me a favor but this is this is just a guy that is really wacky he comes to you and he hugs you he says i love you he's very like like an emotional character like how how, how is this guy going to help me build my startup and then within the, like the first hour Bill's like hey you're doing this wrong this 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 and this wrong in your company you might want to fix that and the guy was like whoa how did you pick, pick this all out and he's like well I talked to your co-workers and to your employees and I, I figured out this was the issue and so He was just extremely there. It was like, it was like really, really interesting. But anyways, I don't remember too much. Unfortunately, I didn't, I, 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 I just remember what I remember reading. And so, and this is just what sticks to me. And so um, that is probably the biggest thing is at least when first identifying a company that I'm looking at is lead based on the principle. So if I'm going to be looking for a company, And if I'm going to be uh, really investing a lot of time in it, I want to at least when I'm looking at the letters from the management, letters from, you know, the different uh, higher echelons, you know, when they're communicating to people, I want to see if their values line in with the original foundation of the company. And it's, it's not easy to find that. It's actually really, really hard. And so... Building on top of that, um, there's a lot of other lessons about it, but one of the biggest things is being able to include everyone, and not in the sense of inclusion, but in the sense of everyone has a purpose, everyone has a role inside the company, and even though they might be difficult to work with, there's still a value to people. And so he was very people-centric, very people-focused. And he said that management must take care of their employees, must be able to uh, have team members that have you know, some sort of performing, high-performing characteristics. They might be difficult to work with, but being able to work around that and being able to bring them in with the vision of the company, that is, that is the key. Especially if they're able to, you know, build results and, and, and get the company from A to B kind of thing. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so again, I'm going through different quotes right here. One of the other quotes is only coach the coachable. So there's a trait that makes a person coachable, including honesty and humility, the willingness to, to persevere and work hard and the constant openness to learning. That is probably one of the biggest key factors for me is, you know, and I reflect this back on my own working experience, is that when you're on a team, when you're in a community or a committee, just being able to bounce ideas back and forth and learn from each other while working hard, that is probably the best synergy. And so I'm going through these values super fast. So (laughs) stop me. Stop me if if you have any questions but i'm just reflecting on my own experience in a working environment that is probably one of the best communities to work in and i've had a, uh, i've had you know uh, the fortunate uh, the the fortune to working with such great people and we're we're learning from each other we're bouncing ideas back and forth we're disagreeing at the same time so there are some ideas that we do disagree on we do debate on that but overall, it led the project to become a better idea, a better execution. And so I don't know about you, Sean, but it, I'm gonna, I'm going to pause just a little bit on the Bill Campbell's thing. But was there a time in your own experience, in your own life, that working with a group of people, was there any other factors that you found to be extremely important? in the overall goal of the company or overall goal of the project or just overall synergy of working together was there any other factors besides the open openness to learning the humility the honesty the perseverance working hard etc
1: um something that i have uh focused on and done well with is clarity of communication mhm um definitely getting people to explain themselves or uh taking the time myself to explain things um a lot of work that i've done and probably a lot of people have had this experience where a lot of work you do in the business world is uh through emails mm-hmm. um maybe more so slack these days and then there's also meetings and phone calls like basically those four mediums a lot of people who work in sort of the office world Are spending a lot of their time just communicating in those ways, and thinking about speaking clearly and making sure that everybody understands everyone. Um, It goes a long way because people often overestimate how much they understand each other. Mm -hmm. I saw a there was actually a study about that uh, that uh, people overestimate how how much they understand. And they were even able to replicate this with people who don't speak the same language. Like they would get together, they would try to get ideas across to each other and then they would say, Oh yeah, that worked. The other person understood me. And then it turns out they didn't. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's really important to get that um, idea of communication. Mm -hmm. Now going back to that idea of um, only coach the coachable, that is uh, that's really interesting. I want to hang on to that one because that's a, (laughs) That is, you know, this also relates to the game of go, like you can, you can try to go after something that is just pointless for you to go after. And I'm sure a lot of go teachers have had the experience where they're just like pointing out to the student. That is pointless. (laughs) (laughs) What You're trying to do over here. You know, it's like in the business world, you could go to someone who says you think, Oh, if I could just convince that person, Mm -hmm. if I could just get them to open their mind about something, that would change everything. And that would fix all these problems. It's like, yeah, but are you going to Mm -hmm. like, you have to think about whether you even could, or if you start talking to them, you got to think about how receptive they are. And at some point, maybe you need to move away from them. You know, if they're not interested in hearing you, they're not interested in, in Mm
0: -hmm. hearing you.
1: And especially from a coaching perspective, it's like, why would you try to coach someone that's not going to, going to listen you know especially if you if there's a lot of people who actually look up to you if you are a coach that people are recommending and people are looking up to there's plenty of students out there who really want to hear what you have to say and who are going to be taking notes and thinking deeply about what you said so don't go wasting your time on on someone who's just not receptive you know
0: Mm -hmm. no I absolutely agree and I think there's another lesson there, too, is that if you have anybody that's on your team and they're very difficult to work with, uh, just being that they're they're not coachable and everything, that could result into a lot of different dynamics and a lot of um, obstacles in the near future, especially if you're trying to build a project or trying to get something off the ground. And there's always a, a resistance to that. Um, and it doesn't mean that they're directly resisting, but it could also mean that um, their efficiency is not there, right? Uh, they could be extremely slow at replying to emails or extremely slow at producing something. Uh, a deadline that would take a a, a normal a team member a week to to finish will take this other member four weeks. You know, and so it's those types of obstacles that you know does play a role at least in the efficiency. And and the uh, efficiency more so, so I'm just going to stick with it, the efficiency of the overall momentum of the company. And so we see this a lot, or at least I see this a lot in a lot of uh, younger uh, companies, at least when I'm looking into them, um, the communication is not there, or there might be someone that was just brought in from an older uh, sector, uh, bringing it into a more modern and sometimes the the lessons are not as, or the communication is not as easy as you want it to be. So anyways, <laughs> mm-hmm. with that being said, I know, I know I'm beating around the bush a lot because I do have something saved up for you, Sean, uh, later. Uh, as well as for the viewers who are watching this on YouTube or something like that, uh, I will be sharing with you guys uh, some of the research that I've done that builds on top of just leadership in uh, in general. Um, But there are two more quotes, uh, actually three more quotes that I do want to go over uh, with everyone here right now. And so another three, another quote from Bill Campbell is solve the biggest problem. And I cannot tell you, how important this is, especially when a CEO is writing back uh, to the shareholders, the investors. I, if, if I'm going to give you guys money right, as an investor, if I was to give a company money as an investor, I need to know what your biggest problem is and how you're going to fix it, at least within the next year, two years, or five years. And when a company does not mention anything at all about their biggest issue, that's when I really show that red flag. I'm like, okay, this might not be a company that I want to invest money into currently, at least with the current management. And so solve the biggest problem. Identify the biggest problem, the elephant in the room, bring it front center and tackle it first. And this is, like I said, the most uh, important thing, at least in terms of investing into a company. What I do value is, being able to identify that problem. I don't know about you, Sean, but what do you think?
1: Um, yeah, I'm curious. Do you have any examples? I'm trying to think of some examples. I will. I okay. do have
0: an example, so I will be sharing that. Again, I'm holding everything off. I want to go over the last two quotes uh, before I, you know what? I'm just going to share with you. How about that? Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. So why not? This is, this is very improv, but I have an annual report that I want to share with you right here. And Mm. so let me share that with you really quickly. Boom, boom. There we go. And so, uh, again, I'm not affiliated with this company at all. I don't have any stock options or stocks or anything. Uh, And this is just strictly my opinion, all right? So this is not advice or anything. But when I was researching into the vehicle sector, the electric vehicle sector, I was looking at Tesla and its competitors. And one of the competitors that people have been talking about was the company Nikola. Now, Nikola, uh, for those who don't recognize the name, is actually the scientist's first name that developed the AC, I think the DC current or something like that. But Nikola Tesla is the actual scientist. And Tesla company, car company, was named after Nikola Tesla. So their competitors, Nikola, (laughs) took the other name. And so I thought that was a very funny play on. And this company, uh, the story of the company is that they saw an issue. Right now, Tesla was into the uh, commercial, not commercial, but the, uh, the residential type of transportation. They wanted to build electric vehicles for the common person or the average person. And so Nikola, their story was like, okay, well, if you're going to focus on the electric vehicle for the common man or common woman, common person, then we as a, an electric vehicle company are going to focus on the other spectrum, which is the commercials uh, area. And so there's an issue with diesel trucks, right? Diesel trucks uses a, a more leaded fuel, uh, has a, a higher explosive rate and you know we need them for transportation unfortunately with the modern technology just to be able to create an electric motor that can carry several hundred tons of shipment is very hard especially if you want to the battery to last for a while so there's a huge huge uh, issue a huge uh, problem that if a company was to solve the transportation issue of shipping containers or truck uh, delivery truck containers, et cetera. this is going to be a very nice market to capture, uh, especially when none of the uh, semi trucks right now uh, are electric. Now, Tesla just recently just unveiled an electric truck, I believe. um, But Nikola was the first one that brought the idea to market. Okay. And so, I got very interested in this. Now, uh, for those of you guys who are watching on YouTube, this is a 2020 annual report of Nikola. And this is something that I would always do when I become a little bit more interested in the company. So I will generally look at the description of the company. If it makes sense to me, then I'll go into their annual report. And so this is free for everyone to download. Uh, This is uh, required mandatorily uh, for any publicly traded uh, stock company on the American Stock Exchange to file with the SEC. So you can find any, any annual report that's publicly traded on the SEC's website or in their investors relation uh, component of the company's website itself, okay? And so uh, first things first, I would actually look at the uh, letter to the shareholder if they have some, if they have any. Now, some of them do not, But uh, for a company that really wants to attract investors, they will generally have a letter to the shareholder where the CEO will actually communicate to the shareholders right here. And so uh, what I really like about these letters is it gives me an insight on who the leadership is or who the leader is of the company and how is their communication going to affect the upper management. Okay. Now, Sean, have you ever downloaded an annual report uh, in business school? Did they ever teach you guys that you know companies have an annual report that they must file to the SEC and and uh, write pretty much their everything, the pros and cons about the company inside this? Yes. Okay.
1: Yeah, they also have to deliver certain uh, metrics. You know, yes, certain numbers yep. about the company.
0: Yep. And so that will generally fall under the general accounting, accepted accounting principle or the gap uh, accounting standards. And so what really attracted me initially about this company was pretty much within the first paragraph right here. And so they are trying to uh, capture a lot of long term investors. And they'll say that in their initial annual report. But if, you, if we read this, what really caught me, at least when I first read this about two years ago, is this paragraph right here. So if the company is better positioned today than it was a year ago, then why has the stock price been so volatile and recently so much lower? As the great Ben Graham taught us, uh, in the short term, the stock market is a voting machine. In the long term, it's a weighing machine. Clearly, there has been a lot of voting going on regarding SPAC listening uh, listings, sorry, uh, generally, and those of electric vehicle and hydrogen companies, but not much long term weighing has been done. So again, this company went public back in 2019. Now its first inception, I believe was way back in the early 2000s, early mid 2000s. But this is an electric vehicle company slash hydrogen fuel company that's trying to solve the heavy machinery issue. Okay. Mm-hmm. And Right when they said Ben Graham, that immediately caught me because as a value investor, this is a lot of my philosophy is built upon Benjamin Graham, who is Warren Buffett's mentor back at, I believe, uh, Columbia University. Is it Columbia University? I can't remember. I think it was Columbia University when Ben Graham was teaching. Okay. And so it really caught my eye. And I was really, I was like, wow, this guy, he's really trying to tell us that, what the overall vision of the company is. It's a very long-term, I believe this can, will happen uh, as we consistently focus on building an enduring enterprise. So he's really trying to communicate to us that this is a long-term play. Short-term is going to be extremely volatile, but long-term. And then he brings up Jeff Bezos on Amazon, etc. cetera. Okay, so I was ar- ar- already immediately impressed by the just the first page of the letter to the shareholder. Now we're going on to the second, and I really love the idea of the subheadings. Subheadings really direct my focus on, and this is how I personally write any scientific paper too, is I have different headings and different ideas underneath those headings. And it really helps focus my reading. So he'll have reflection and actions that were taken, business philosophy, what matters most in long-term, uh, Nikolai's future is bright, etc. So I really like the format of the letter. And I really like what he's been saying so far. Now, Sean, just the overview of the uh, initial paper and just, you know, me standing here on the first page, what is your initial impression so far? I know it's a little bit biased because I gave you my impression, but I, I want to know what is your first initial unbiased impression of this?
1: Um, it looks interesting. Um. Yeah. There was a subheading about what matters most to the long-term. Okay, let's go to that. gravitate toward looking at that one. There we go. Um, And yeah, I would also, um, I mean, one of the big questions is the technology. Mm -hmm. Um, And I would definitely look at that and try to estimate whether I think the technology is going to play out and whether they're going to be a leader.
0: And that that is something that I would do a little bit more research once I pass my first check mark. Mm-hmm. Right. So the first things first is I'm looking at leadership. I'm looking at who this person is and what is going on. Now, what I did not tell you, or the viewers or the listeners right now, is th- what happened to Nicola several years prior, which is they actually fell under a lot of scrutiny because the original founder of this company. Uh, Pretty much did a lot of shady things and raised capital under false pretense. Okay. So Mm -hmm. this CEO is the replacement for that original founder Mm -hmm. or one of the founders. Again, I can't remember what it was. It's been two years since I've looked at this company. Um, But essentially, they're trying to really get rid of that culture that was originally developed. Which is, uh, and the reason why it was a false pretense was they unveiled a first prototype of their uh, shipping trucks, their semi electric vehicle semi trucks, and they quote unquote showed that it worked by turning it on and rolling it down the hill, essentially. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of people got really excited about it because again, this is a very small market and it's a very non-competitive market. So if they're able to solve this issue, they will be the first industry in this whole process. And so it wasn't until 2017, 2018, where they went into a little bit more and investors were like, hey, where's your electric vehicle? You showed us the prototype work. Where is it? And then it turns out that the prototype never worked. They advertised it under false pretense where they said it was working, but it wasn't, etc. Okay. And so they pretty much kick that person off. They, they find him. He's under a lot of, you know, allegations or whatever the heck is going on. And this is the new CEO taking over. And now this new CEO is trying to bring in a newer ish culture, a better culture, a bigger, uh, more understandable culture. And he's trying to capture a lot of the value investors, uh, potentially the tesla investors to really delve into the idea of this company
1: now um one of the thoughts or questions i have is um Mm -hmm. there's in some uh, some investors think of there being a dichotomy between a value investor and Mm -hmm. a growth investor Mm -hmm. um and as far as growth companies are concerned, Tesla would be one of the biggest names. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering if they are almost a little bit differentiating
0: themselves from Tesla. They are they're trying to
1: going for value instead of
0: going for growth. Right. Well, it depends on you as the investor. What do you define value and growth as me personally? Uh-huh. I think they're one in the same. So both right. the companies are value slash growth companies. But the way that they are writing in this article or in this letter to the shareholder is they're trying to portray themselves as a value play, not a growth play, because right right now they're going to go through a lot of obstacles that they have to fix. And pretty much we're not going to get the money in the the short term. Uh, That's pretty much what they're telling us, at least based on uh, the structure of their uh, of his letter to the shareholder. Got it. Okay, so. Let, let me just rewind a little bit. So I was mm-hmm. reading this uh, annual report, the shareholder letter, and now I, I've been doing this for a while and there's, there's certain things that I do look for, format being one, uh, communication being one, uh, uh, and honesty, honesty, integrity, et cetera. So these are all really big things that I value for before I start researching into a company even more. And again, this built on top of the book, The Trillion Dollar Coach, that talks about Bill Campbell's philosophy in, in how a company should be run or a successful company should be run. And so, again, a lot of the big CEO's, COOs, CFOs uh, in Silicon Valley, or at least the companies that are developed in Silicon Valley, really, really do appreciate Bill uh, and, and his legacy. Okay, so again, just recap, Tim Cook, CEO of Apple, loves it. Uh, Sheryl Sandberg, CEO of Facebook, John Doerr, Chairman of Kleiner Perkins, Mary Meeker, General Partner Bond, Susan uh, W, CEO of YouTube, as well as Sundar uh, P, uh, CEO of Google, all said massively good things about Bill Campbell. So those are just the big names uh, that I wrote on the back cover. And so there are going to be things that I look for. and. Like Warren Buffett, integrity is probably the biggest thing, like Bill Campbell, you know, being honest, humility, as well as being able to communicate, et cetera, that's a big thing in leadership. And so it just goes back to leadership. And so I'm looking at this letter, and uh, I want to ask you, Sean, what is your opinion about this highlighted text, right? here? Because our emphasis is on the long term, we may weigh trade-offs and make decisions differently than some of you might expect. We're sharing our decision-making approaches to give you the opportunity to confirm that our views are consistent with your own investment philosophy. What's your opinion on that? Hmm. And try to, I'm, I'm trying to be un, as unbiased as possible, but this will lead into another thing later down in the, in this letter. I, I will be sharing something else that builds on top of this paragraph right here.
1: I guess that sounds good. Initially we may make trade-offs differently, um. yeah I wonder if there's any more details about that but I well, think initially I'm, it okay sounds good that. right do you initially, initially initially it sounds almost uh like something any company could say because different mm-hmm. people will make different trade-offs
0: yeah yeah but it uh, what does it say about the communication of this person or or the uh integrity of this person like can you pick up anything from this statement again uh this is a very small statement you would have to read a little bit more you can read the business philosophy if you want just prior and and then uh build a top of that paragraph but i'll give you you know uh, a couple seconds to look at it just really quickly and if you can then let me know if not then we're just going to continue on from there
1: um yeah they want to be transparent
0: yeah essentially which i think is, is a good thing it's a phenomenal thing I'm uh, sorry not meaning to <laughs> to encourage your bias but it is a, it's a phenomenal thing I love that this guy is being very transparent I love that he's telling me that don't invest in the company if you if your values do not align right mm-hmm. we want to make the decision as best as we can in hopes that it will align with our investment philosophy but if it doesn't then, this company might not be right for you. At least that's what I'm inferring uh, from this letter. And that's a good thing,
1: mm-hmm.
0: right? Yeah. Now here's the kicker. This paragraph is very familiar to me. Somehow, I, I when I first read this, I was like, I remember hearing a message like this before. I could not remember where, where I've heard about it. And I had to sleep on it for a couple of days. And, you know, that weird time when you're sleeping on a problem and somehow it, right before you fall asleep or right as you wake up, the, the solution comes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had one of those moments. I had one of those epiphanies. I was like, well, OK, I know I've read this somewhere. I don't know how many annual reports I've read, but I know I've read it in one of the annual <laughs> reports. I mean, I, I probably read like maybe two, three hundred at the time when I first read this one and it just came to me. I was like, you know what? If we read earlier into uh, his statement, a lot of his uh, attractiveness came from when he mentioned Benjamin Graham. It came from when he mentioned uh, Amazon's Jeff Bezos. And so I was like, you know what, let me see if I can find either Ben Graham's quotes anywhere that reflects this philosophy or uh, Jeff Bezos. and and, and, uh, Because obviously there's going to be some inspiration. He's trying to attract value investors and and he's using the two big names in terms of value investing. So let me see, let me work around. And so by doing so, I came across this, which I'm about to share with you right here. Can you see it, Sean? Mm -hmm. You can? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, what do you see right now?
1: The Amazon uh,
0: shareholder letter looks like 97. Yes. So this is the Amazon's shareholder right when the company went public. And this was written by Jeff Bezos. Now, at first glance, you can see that the headings are very similar. Right. So you have to our shareholders then you have some subheadings. So the format, the format is very similar. Sorry, excuse me. Not Mm -hmm. the headings. And you can see uh, he's very customer-centric. He's all about infrastructure, employees, and goals for 1998. So this is an example of a very well-written, well-communicated shareholder letter. It's extremely well-communicated. And I use uh, several examples of good quality uh letters to shareholders as a benchmark. And so I'll use Jeff Bezos, I'll use Bill Gates, I'll use uh, Warren Buffett's shareholders letter. Uh, I'll use uh, all, a lot of those types of letters as a format to see what it what really makes a good letter a good letter. And one thing that stood out and this is the only time he's ever written this was this highlighted portion right here. Now Sean, I want you I want you to read it, to yourself really quickly and then i'm going to read it out loud for everyone to hear but what is your impression
1: uh it's roughly the same as the the highlighted section of the okay other. so it's pretty I, pretty darn close
0: i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna read this because so this is the amazon's shareholder letter because of our emphasis on the long term we may make decisions and weigh trade-offs differently than some companies accordingly we want to share with you our fundamental management and decision making approach so that you our shareholder may confirm that that is that it is consistent with your investment philosophy this was written back in 1997 let that sink in now going back to nicola and the first letter to shareholder that they've ever published And you saw, your first impression, I didn't say anything, but you said that they're nearly identical or very similar. Mm -hmm. Right, Sean? Yeah. How does that change your opinion on the CEO of Nikola? Did it change or did it stay the same, roughly?
1: I'm thinking so I haven't done as much shareholder letter reading as you have. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's uh, because it's not attributed, I would call it plagiarism, you know, and I would wonder Yeah, I would wonder if uh, if Nikola is maybe still not the most scrupulous company, even after this leadership change, you know, if they can't. I mean, you could essentially put that in quotes you could say, hey, to paraphrase or to, you know, mm-hmm. Jeff Bezos said something like this, and we believe yes. strongly that we want to run our company the same way. No, if you just take it and just stick it in there, mm-hmm. and this is what I'm saying, that's,
0: uh, that's, you know, it's quite, it's questionable. Exactly, 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 exactly. This was the biggest red flag for me. Now, I was about to invest in Nikola. I really was uh, initially until I told myself, I got to sit down and think about this because I understood what the company is trying to do. I understood the science behind what it's trying to do. And and uh, there was a portion of my portfolio that I wanted to uh, pretty much commit, you know, uh, less than 5% of my portfolio for companies such as this. And the, my first initial thought of, the letter was, wow, this is an amazing letter. I really like it. It followed a lot of the good models that I've read so far. This might be something that I want to look into, but I told myself, let me sit on it. Let me think about it. And after maybe a week, two weeks of doing more research, doing more due diligence, then I might go into um, investing You know, five less than 5% into this company. Now, Right when I discovered that this was a direct plagiarism, and I want to say direct because it's like almost nearly verbatim. The only thing different that he changed was we may make decisions and weigh trade offs differently. He, uh, Nicholas, CEO, pretty much flipped that. He's, he pretty much says we may weigh trade offs differently and may make decisions. Uh, in this company differently than yada, yada, yada. So he, he just literally plagiarized and swap a couple words so that it doesn't like ring in the plagiarism count. And, and to a lot of investors who don't read annual reports or aren't aware um, of the different types of annual reports there are, they might overlook this factor uh, because it, it, it's not written anywhere. No one, at least at the time when I was looking into this, no one really said anything Uh, About the plagiarism. And for me, you know, plagiarism is a very serious thing when it tells me who you are as a person. I mean, if you're just going to blatantly copy somebody else's framework and not give them credit, you as a leader who's the face of this company, it makes me wonder. Are you truly authentic with the message you're saying? Or are you trying to attract more money in hopes that, you know, you you can get the money out of us? Because now, right when I figured out what you're doing, even though it's for, even if it was in good intentions, right? But if you blatantly copy someone and you don't give them credit, no matter how good intentions you were... It just makes me feel like, okay, your integrity is not fully there. You're not running uh, the show as, as, you know, how do I put it? Respectful, and integral uh, as I would like it. And because if you're willing to just plagiarize and not really taking your own time and effort to be authentic with me and to just tell me what's going on, how can I trust you after that? I don't know, Sean. But this was the biggest red flag and this made my decision immediately like within like a minute i was like okay i'm not investing in this company anymore until the leadership changes their ways until they're able to communicate they have a great idea but it's just i don't trust the leadership i don't trust the management and because i don't i'm not going to invest any more time into looking at this this goes into the pile that i don't want to look at right now and so at the time the stock price was roughly around $10.37 when I was looking at this company. Currently, I believe they're trading at around $6. Mm-hmm. And this was about two years ago. Okay, back in 2020. Uh, let, me, let me see. What, what is their stock price? Uh, let me see. Uh, oh, $7. They're, they're at $7. But if I've invested back then at roughly around $10 to $11, I would have lost about 50% of my investment mm-hmm. today. And that, that, that is a no, no. I mean, just that, just that, just being able to identify that and immediately I didn't even go further into the numbers after that. I was like, Nope, not doing it. One, the original founder was already charged of lying uh, investors out of their money. And then now I have another leadership who might be better, but at the same time, I can't tell anymore. And because it's so foggy and because it's so unclear, I just, I'm not comfortable with it. And so I don't want to invest in it. I don't want to put more money into this uh, when I'm not comfortable. Again, he could be a magnificent person. This is just my opinion. But this is something that I value. And because it doesn't fall in line with my own values, I don't think I can invest in it. And just as Bill Campbell said, and Tim Cook said, lead with your values, right? So this is one decision that I could not go with even though it's a great company, even though it's a great idea, I just can't go with it.
1: Yep. And yeah, leadership expresses values. Yeah. Regardless of whether you're trying to lead with your values or not. so this Mm -hmm. is definitely an expression of values. And, you know, if you're a company like that, where you've had issues with being unscrupulous in the past, Mm -hmm. you should be extra, extra, extra careful. Yes. You know? So, and you know, someone might say, I mean, I imagine if you pointed this out to them, they might say, well, that's not a big deal. We we mean to say that. Mm-hmm. And so we're just saying that. But I would say, look, just attribute it. It's not that hard. Yes, yeah, stay- it's not.
0: Yeah. It really isn't. And it, it was such a downer. It really was a downer when I, when I discovered that. I was like, man, I had such high hopes for this company. And I remember, uh, I think, well, back in 2017, 2018, Again, they went public around 2018, 2019. I remember one of my uh, friends talking about Nikola. And they were really excited about it. And I believe at the time it was like 40-something dollars a share. I could be wrong, but it was, it was something really high up there. And it had a lot of potential, a lot of hype uh, about the company. And it was all over the Reddit forums uh, from what my friend tells me. And so that's what that's how the company caught on my radar. I forgot about it, and then I was looking more into Tesla and why it went over a thousand during that time. And then I saw that hey, Nikola might be a competitor to Tesla. Let's look. Let's take take a look at this some more. And just doing a little bit of research, I saved fifty percent of my money essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, say that I invested ten thousand dollars into it. I I would be down four or five thousand dollars today because of. Not doing homework back then. Right. Yeah. So, yeah.
1: Uh, so, going back to Bill Campbell's uh, mm-hmm. principles or quotes, mm-hmm. um, there was lead with your values. There was yes. don't coach the
0: uncoachable. Uncoachable. Yes. Uh, what was after that? After that, uh, pretty much he went into more of just people, uh, solved the biggest problem by identifying the elephant. Right. Mm. So, you know, Mark Russell, in, in his letter, identified the issue. the issue. Well, he didn't really identify the big issue. The big issue was the culture uh, was, you know, not correct, right? That there was an issue with the original founder, and he didn't write that in the annual report. But he addressed some other issues, which is, you know, we we he kind of touched on it and said we need a change in leadership, and so he brought in new people. So solve the biggest problem, biggest elephant in the room. Communicate with that with us. We'll understand, right? Mm-hmm. Next quote: Always build communities. Build communities inside and outside of work. A place is much stronger when people are connected. And so, this um, I do agree with. And unfortunately, with the Nicola example, I-, I couldn't find any communities—at least not on the not a community that wasn't unbiased or wasn't a, a worker in there. Uh, I, I, I didn't know anyone who worked in Nicola until many years later. And so I didn't use that as a decision-making. But I do believe in building a community because the stronger your community is inside your workplace, the more loyal they're going to be, right? And the more smooth things are going to be, the more that everyone's on board with the vision. And this just builds from my own personal experience working communities where hey, I have, uh, we have a vision right here. We're trying to get this done. Let's get this done as a group and achieve this vision. And we'll work together. We'll have some synergy, maybe some conflict here and there, but it works. And having management, especially upper management, come down to see our work was a fantastic feel. And I work in a lot of school systems Uh, And so when, you know, the upper management comes down and says, hey, you guys are doing such a fantastic work, we're going to implement this project within the next uh, semester or two, it, it made us feel very good about our project and our contribution. And so that's something that I do value. Build communities inside of work and outside of work. And last but not least, hold a special reverence for and protect the people with the most vision and passion for the company. Uh, this just builds on top of the idea that uh, sometimes the founders are no longer going to be there, but if the new management comes in and still holds that value uh, in, within them, even though the founders are not there anymore, uh, chances are the company is going to do well later on. And that was the whole idea with Tim Cook's speech, which is leave with your values and don't forget the, the founding vision. So, yes. That is again. It wasn't really a book review. Um, it was more so just highlights in the book. I highly encourage everyone to read this. This is a really good uh, idea. And if you listen to his podcasts uh, or their um, interviews that he has online, it really, it really does show when he's talking. He's always, always talking about you know what are we going to get done? How are we going to get done? Okay, what's your issue with me? Can can we solve this? All right, I understand how you work now. Now you understand how I work so that we can start moving and get, getting from a place of uh, conflict to a, f- a place of synergy. I mean, he he is such an inspiration uh, as a coach and as a leader. Really amazing man. Uh, I, 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 I And I wish I could be uh, on the opposite end too just to see, you know, okay, he's not the best. or But I, I, I haven't found the anti-argument uh, to, to this. So again, fantastic book.
1: Yeah. I mean, every human being is a mixed bag, but mm-hmm. in terms of running an organization, you know, experience mm-hmm. with coaching football teams and working with businesses and he's definitely got some good insights as far as mm-hmm. uh, you know, leading a group
0: of people. Mm-hmm. That's for sure. And uh, this also kind of built into my understanding too. I've had the opportunity to talk to a lot of investors, entrepreneurs and board members. And one of the most common things that I have as an answer when I ask them this question, which is, hey, how do you decide to invest into a company or how do you decide to figure uh, how do you know when you're working on a good team or working with a good team or working with a good idea? And Pretty much nine out of 10 times, the first answer that comes out of all of their uh, all of their uh, experiences is leadership. It's the person in, in, in the seat. It's it's the person who's driving. And they'll they'll tell me that you know this person that they, they have this glimmer in their eye. And it's just based on impression when they're talking to it. They have this glimmer in their eye where we want to put money into it because we feel like this person is going to take it far. And that's it. That's all they'll ever tell me. Uh, they don't tell me it's like, Oh, the revenue is great. The, the, um, the sales were great. It is always the first thing was the leader who's in charge. What type of person are they? And do they feel it's all about feeling. Do they feel that this person will take the company from A to B? And that's how they decide whether or not to invest in a person or join a group or join a, join a team. And it's amazing. It's like, there's no logic behind that. Really. It's a very irrational type of decision-making because there's no facts to base it off of. It's just their intuition. And that builds on top of Bill Campbell, which is all people like emotion, understand your team, understand the people around you, understand Um, the company's original value and do you work with that and if you have the right people in place the company's event the company will go far whether what the numbers say or not if if you have the right people in place what are your thoughts I agree okay no no counter argument come on man.
1: (laughs) I mean the numbers matter (laughs) you know uh, it's not like they don't matter but
0: numbers do matter yes Mm mm-hmm
1: yeah, no, the leadership, I mean, it's what's holding the organization together. You know, the leadership of the people who are running the country company, they're the one who are uh, making things happen, choosing what direction to go. And yeah, it's def- it makes a lot of sense to focus on the leadership of the company when you're when you're investing.
0: It's, it's a good filter, uh, I would say, if you're looking for investments at least from my own personal experience. If you're looking for investments, if you're looking for a way to quickly say yes or no to a company, I find focusing on the leadership first is the best way to tell uh, whether or not you want to invest in a company or not. And I've, I probably looked at, you know, in, in a week, maybe five, six, eight companies in a week. It's not a lot but if you add it up every week i do this and do it for a year you're looking at several hundred companies uh mm-hmm. out of a couple thousand and you know just being able to make a quick decision be like yeah i don't, I don't want to put my money into this or yeah i want to put I, i'm thinking about putting my money into this really helps speed up the research process and so i i think it's a great filter but any
1: concluding thoughts i think i definitely want to uh hang on to some of those Bill Campbell quotes there. He's got some <laughs> some good ideas there.
0: It's a, it's a lot of great ideas. I'll, I'll send you the link of their podcast. I'll actually put it in the description for everyone else to to look at below. Uh, it, it's, it's amazing what his students say about him. And so um, he does not want to be referred to as a coach, by the way. Um, hmm. Yeah, he, he's very humble about it. Very humble. So... <laughs> anyways i think that's it for today's episode what about you
1: uh yeah
0: yeah i think this was great so everyone thank you so much for listening in uh to this podcast episode and if you guys are watching this on youtube thank you guys so much for staying and watching through the whole thing i hope you guys found this very enjoyable very entertaining very educational and if you guys have any questions please uh, don't hesitate reach out to us we'll love uh, to answer any of your questions, or just you know share some experience with us, and we'll we'll share uh, many more experience with you guys. So thank you guys again so much, and don't forget, don't trade a dollar for a penny. I think that's it. Dollar for a yep. penny. Yes. <laughs> okay. Take care, everyone.